This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Stuart Black, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here, Cheryl. Alongside his extensive career in advertising, Stuart is the founding partner and CEO of Southeast Asia's leading healthcare communications group, Ward 6. In 2003, he had a manuscript shortlisted for the New South Wales Writers' Centre Popular Fiction Competition and in 2009 published a psychological thriller, Shallow Water. So this is Stuart's second novel, The Signatory. It's another heart-racing thriller based on his intimate knowledge of the international corporate world. Now, as I was saying earlier, I love books like this where rich people get their comeuppance in a way. For me, it's it's particularly the, the power thing. It's because because a lot of what this book is about really is abuse of power. So I doesn't think it, it go hand in hand? Well, yeah, I mean, but but I think it could also, I mean, poor people can have power and abuse other people as well, you know, as you go up. So yeah. you know, it happens at a, I think a a local level, a regional level, and then this is tapping into the the global level at which it can happen. And uh, you know, I've certainly seen it happen at, at different levels in that in that corporate environment. And uh, yeah, it's it's just a, a fascinating thing to me, and a scary thing the way people will potentially change and take advantage of the opportunity to hurt someone else for their own financial gain. Mm. There's a lot of examples out there in the world of of people that do that continually without breaking the law, and I won't mention any names. But tell me about your career. Tell me how, in terms of your professional career, you got to where you are. Sure. So I, I started off when I was at uni I thought there's only one thing I'll definitely never do because my father and sister had done it and that was work in advertising. And uh, and I loved music and I thought I'd be a rock star. However, when I, I guess I was about 27 or 28 and uh, I wasn't yet a rock star. I was playing in a band, but uh, I was working uh, working for Hoyts Media actually, which owned all the Triple M radio stations. And suddenly uh, the company went into receivership and, and I was looking at different options and advertising suddenly didn't seem so bad. I knew a couple of people in it, um, thought I'd give that a crack. And so that's that's how I ended up going into it. Uh, Were you in as a copywriter or what, what uh, was? No, well, initially I, I well, I did a role which I, I didn't know existed until I kind of started exploring it. It was called a strat planner, so strategic planner, um, which meant that I'd Learn, learn a bit about research. I've been a researcher, so I, I knew a bit about that. And if you're a planner, that research skill kind of comes in handy. So at the planner basically does the creative briefs, gives the strategic direction for the brand that you're working on, all that sort of thing, often does qualitative research. And uh, so that was the role. And then so I worked for Saatchi's in Sydney. And then I wow. worked for 
Yeah, which which at that time um, I wouldn't say it wasn't a great agency now, but it was it was really terrific then, and you know won all the awards and all that sort of stuff. Then got asked to go over to the London office, and that was really fun and uh, and pretty amazing because you'd often you know you'd be in Madrid one day and Paris the next and that sort of thing, and um, sometimes going to New York for for work and stuff. Where did the company originate, Sachi? Sachi's yeah. in London, so it was two two yeah. brothers, Charles. And oh Mark, yeah, of Mark, course. Too. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so, and it was interesting because even even after the two brothers left in 1995 and started a new agency called MNC Saatchi, the culture of Saatchi and Saatchi remained incredibly strong and very creatively driven. And that's something that's that's always sort of been interesting to me: the culture of companies, because in a sense, the signatory is tapping into that thing of like how do you how do you create a culture how do you maintain a culture how do you how do you have the values that you want to be central there how, how do you how do you make sure they're at the fore so over the years since you know we've had board six you there have been plenty of times when things have not well any any company things go wrong some of the time and you wind up with people doing some things that you don't think are right and and how do you how do you fix that how do you how do you create an environment where people will do the right thing and be nice to each other and and not be nasty and that sort of thing. So it's go, such yeah. I mean Stuart it's such an interesting topic to me because in my career for the large part of my career I worked in retail and I was a book buyer. And yeah. do you know the culture there and I don't know why this is I've got I've got a hunch but it was so egalitarian in a way. It was all Sure, there might have been toxicity, but there wasn't that climbing over each other to get somewhere because the expectation wasn't that high, I don't think. And then when I crossed over to a more corporate environment, oh, my God, it ate me alive. And within a couple of years, I knew I was not suited because I could never read through the lines. I didn't know from day to day what was going to happen. I didn't know from day to day what the expectations were of me. And I seriously, that organisation nearly ate me alive. I left there not being able to say one word in public. Wow. Yeah, indeed. I mean, advertising is at the extreme end of that commercial, extremely competitive mm. environment where it's it's kind of the ultimate in capitalism, right? Because you're you're pitching all the time. That's that's yeah. that's what the business is built on. And if you lose a lot of the pitches, then people get fired. And if you keep losing, then the agency shuts down, basically. Right. Um, and the reverse is true where if you win pitches and keep winning them, then people get pay rises and you're hiring new people and life's grand. But I think one of the one of the things that's always been built into the advertising agency sector is this notion that you'll probably get paid a little more that when you're young. And so that seems really attractive. But that part of what goes with that is the brutality of you may be fired at any moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in fact, I remember when when I was starting out, and there was another agency, and I, I won't I won't name them, but they're a, a big successful agency, and there were lots of people who thought, following their model, you know, the path to success from a manager's point of view is to treat your staff badly, instill fear, threaten them every day, and make sure you fire people regularly. And it's best if you fire them for a reason they don't really understand, like fire them because they're wearing the wrong dress code or something like that. 
And I just thought that was disgusting. But it was a genuine belief that some people in the industry had that, that you know, you scare people. It's, it's like holding a whip where you're yeah. constantly threatening yeah. And that's how you get the best people, you know, the, the, the best out of people. Whereas my feeling was, wait a second, I wouldn't want to work in a place like that. And I didn't. And I also think, you know, the people who I know who are really talented, if the more talented they are, the more choice they've got. And why would they want to work in a place like that? You know, so I worked that place I was telling you um, where I worked. I was told specifically by the managing director or CEO or whatever she liked to call herself that you are not to celebrate the wins. Wow. Yeah, right, because then that made people complacent uh. and they wouldn't do their job anymore. So when I started my own business, Stuart, and to this day, because I think I've been out in my own for over 10 years now, I have champagne in the fridge. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, got a little bar fridge in the office and it could be anything. And I'll say to the team, let's just pull out a bottle of champagne and celebrate that moment today. Let's just remember what we did today. Yeah, which is which is fantastic. And I think I think you're absolutely right because it's also, you know, my experience having having done this a long time. My experience is, it's a long and bumpy road, and you'll mm. have days where things don't go your way. Absolutely. So so, so to your point, if things have gone your way today, then mm. absolutely celebrate, have fun, tell mm. each other you're great you know, because, you know, you've mm. done really well. To, and to it changes that. all your life in that environment. It makes people yeah. happy. I just yeah. don't get the notion of fear to do good work. I don't understand it. And also, I mean, don't we all know this, that fear really hinders creativity anyway? Well, indeed, that's that's my view, but uh, but I, I I still you know find it shocking that so many people are out mm. there and they they practice mm. that. Mm. Um, I, I don't. Th- I, I think they tend to hide it a bit more. They don't like to be as overt. Yeah. With, with that now, I mean, it's like you know, sex it's more is like more, yeah, it's more it's more hiding there beneath the surface, but it's still there. I'll tell you one last story about my little business, um, Better Reading. Uh, a few years back now, it was pre-COVID, we were walk- working with a marketing manager that was just awful, right? And, you know, I'm not kind of hands-on day to day, but I walked into the office one day and one of the girls got off a call and started crying. And I was like, what's going on here? What? People should not be crying here. Yeah. And uh, I was told what had happened and that this person's been ringing all week and this person's not happy. And anyway, I said, right, okay, somebody bring me over the spreadsheet. Cancel, cancel, cancel. We cancelled every campaign we had with that person. Uh, And when I rang to tell them, uh, she wouldn't pick up, or to tell her she wouldn't pick up the phone. So I sent her an email and copied the managing director and just said, sorry, thanks, but no thanks. We don't want to work like this. This is now my business. I yeah. control the culture. I control the mood. And if you, that's part of the service that we give, we won't tolerate that. See you later. And that word got out so quick, so quick that Cheryl cancelled the year's worth of work with a company. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, we had a situation not too dissimilar as well. And you can do it when you're running your own company. That's exactly right. And if you don't do it, then, I mean, nobody else has the authority within your company has the authority to do it. So we, we did a similar thing. There was a client who treated more than one staff member really badly. And uh, 
it's a big thing. If you don't stand up at that point and mm-hmm. do something, I mean, a- anyone can do something with it, you know, like a gentle word or whatever, but it, like you, in this case, we said we we actually can't work with you anymore because we'd already said something previously and, and it's kind of yeah. like, no, you, you're going to keep going yeah. with that sort of behaviour. And so we drew a line in the sand and said we won't take that money. Uh, it's it's a big thing. You, you have to be very clear in your head when you do that because you yeah. know you know, for, for us, there was a significant amount of money. We were we were mm-hmm. pushing back and saying, no, we won't take it. And, you know, that can ultimately affect people's jobs and things like that. But I think, as I say, you, you have to have a line in the sand where you go, do you know what, we, we just can't accept that behaviour. We've, mm-hmm. we've tried to be nice about it. We've tried mm-hmm. to say something. But now our actions have to follow those values which we mm-hmm. believe in. You know, and, and I think, you know, one of the things about decent people is that when they stand up, then others tend to follow as well. Um, mm. Whereas if you don't stand up, then mm. the, mm. the, the bad guys win, so to speak. Mm. Mm. I think for me, and, and, you know, maybe for yourself, but I think one, having a successful small business helps because you've got the confidence to make decisions like that. And, you know, we're not living day to day. But secondly, age for me has just given me this wisdom of, you know, nothing's worth it. Like if that yeah. that's not I, worth I, it. Exactly. I, I feel exactly the same that, that 10 years ago, I hope I would have done the same thing, but I wouldn't have been as crystal clear in my head. Yeah. That, no, no, yeah. that's definitely unacceptable. We will walk away from that. And we will call it out, you know, that that absolute clarity on that. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So then you are working in advertising and you decide, <laughs> crazy, I'm going to start writing. Is that what uh, happens? Well, so basically, so I, I used to. You I know, Peter, Carey started off in advertising. At, and my father's old business partner, Bryce Courtney. Oh, so, wow. Okay. We, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so sad <laughs> we lost him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there have been, I mean, lots who've gone from the advertising world into uh, novel writing and and. And various types of books. Uh, so basically, I, I, I'd grown up writing songs. And so, you know, I loved playing music and things. And then when I stopped being able to play live, I, I was away on holidays and I just started writing, you know, a, a novel and uh, and thought I'd probably never get past page 20. And there was a really interesting thing that happened in when I was at Sarchis in London. They had this thing called London Literary Week. And an email went round to all the staff just saying, look, there's this author we've got who's in an English author and if you've if you've written anything that you know you'd like him to have a look at and want to have a chat about then just let us know and anyway wow that's a great service that really is 
It yeah. was re- it was really cool. And at that point, Ooh. I'd written seventy eight pages of something. Oh wow! And I thought, oh, he's he's not going to look at mine. And and Sartis was a big agency. There were sort of six hundred people in the main part of the agency, and another six hundred in the sort of affiliated bit. So a lot of people. And so I just thought, no way will this guy read my seventy eight pages of drivel. Anyway, he he then said, uh, I shot me a note and said, do you want to catch up for a coffee? And he said, look. The area you work in, he said, that there's a lot of work to do and it's and it's tough and the rewriting and so forth. But he said, you know, you're, you're writing, it's easy to read and there's, and you're good at storytelling and you're, you're working in a genre which sells a lot. So, so there's commercial opportunity there as well. And just his words of encouragement made me think, oh, God, I've got to finish it now. So, so that's kind of how I how I got going. How generous of him! I just love that. Incredible, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and well, it's a bit like what I was saying before about when decent people stand up. When yeah. when someone does something like that to you, like he didn't need to be nice. He didn't need to have actually read. He read the seventy eight pages from yeah. a nobody from Australia who you know, yeah. blah, 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 you know. And he was so kind and thoughtful. And uh, and do you want to tell us his name? Um, Blake Morrison is his name. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody uh, go out and read Blake Morrison. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 And terrific guy. And, uh, but that notion of, you know, when when people do acts of kindness or generosity, then of course you think, oh, well, I want to be more kind and generous. And, and, you know, it rubs off. Yeah. Okay. So you, you pretty much attempted to write a book without knowing the craft of writing long form. Exactly. Exactly. And then, Got back to Australia. I mean, I, I wrote, I wrote, finished one manuscript. When I came back to Australia, I started writing another manuscript, and then within into, the same genre. Yeah, yeah, same genre. But I just kind of worked out that with the first one, I just thought, yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, I, I think I'd run it by an editor, and I just sort of thought, it's, it's not, it's not up to scratch. It's not, it's not good enough to sort of try and sell to publishers and things. And so I started writing another one and then uh, finished that one, you know, um, bounced it off a couple of editors and then entered that in the what was then called the New South Wales Writers' Centre, their popular fiction competition, and it got shortlisted, which was really nice. Fantastic. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, a few years later ended up publishing Shallow Water and then uh, so that was that was 2009 and that was just done through a bunch of guys called Sadata. And you know, um, I I don't want to say anything critical of them, but it's it's not you know there's not a lot of you don't get a lot of help sort of thing you know that but they you know the books were there in the shops and things and so there's the potential for people to buy them and uh, and there was a, a a good reaction to to that you know there were quite a few reviews and things um you know a couple of couple of ones that were were critical sort of you know. Um, Say uh, you know, oh, you know, the, a few of the characters were a bit shallow and, and whatever, and it's kind of like in hindsight, I kind of go, well, fair enough. A couple of the characters were a bit, <laughs> a bit shallow if I look back at it. And then um, the next one that I wrote after that, so that was two thousand nine. Then I wrote one which was basically, I, I I probably shouldn't say too much about it because it connects. It was about a story set within a company where somebody was murdered within that company and then in real life my client was murdered oh. um so so i had to i had to pull the book um it was with the agent just about to go to the publishers and uh and yeah it's uh it's still within that company as you know not surprisingly a very sensitive topic because yeah. um, 
Yeah, so a woman was was murdered there. Oh, wow, terrible. So it was that, that very strange thing of having written a story where yeah. a, a person was murdered at, and, and while, while in the novel I didn't name the company, it was obvious from everything about the setting that it was this company and then, yeah, it was, was really. So the company that you set, that you were telling about, yeah, yeah, that's, and in that's the story, where, the girl yes. was murdered, and yes. in real life, that happened. She was Same company. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <gasps> yeah. Oh my gosh, was she murdered within the workplace? Uh, she was murdered by a work colleague. Yeah, wow. And is that public knowledge or not? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, yes, but but it's 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 better if I don't go into yeah. this. I think just because of the sensitivity yeah. of of it. I mean, the the, sure. the, guy, the guy who killed her is in jail still. Right. Okay. And was that where was that? What what where did that happen? So in Sydney. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 So so that was really weird. Um, and then uh, so I just I, I mean I just thought look I'm. I'm going to pull that for now, and and then I'll I'll kind of think about revisiting it down the track when you know things are different and uh, you know potentially change change a bit more. I mean, it wasn't exactly my story, but it was it was too close, uh, you know, to, to yeah. be comfortable with. And uh, so then, yeah, and and now here I am, you know, some years later with uh, with the signatory. And why is there a lot of gaps? Is it because you're working? And what's your? Tell me how you write. Is it that you try and get two weeks off and go to a holiday shack? Um, and uh, how do you approach it? No, it's it's a little bit random. I mean, I tend to tend to do it early in the morning. I'll, I'll sort of wake up early yeah. and on weekends and on holidays and that sort of thing. So in this case, I mean, one of the things that helped was the lockdown because uh, <laughs> because there was that extra time, and also sort of specifically with the lockdown, my my wife was in Victoria, so her family have a farm in Victoria, and she was there, and they closed the border, yeah. and she was stuck down there for four and a half months, and I was stuck, yeah. you know, which I remember when it first happened, and because I was I was in Victoria as well when they said. We're we're going to be closing the border on Tuesday, and we both thought, well, you know, they might close it for a week, you know, or if it was really extreme, this COVID thing, maybe two weeks. But it never occurred to us that they would close the New South Wales Victoria border for over four months. You know, oh, it was like crazy, terrible, terrible. That yeah. notion for Americans, for instance, they can't even understand that. Like, oh, exactly, you know, yeah, yeah. The fact that you can close. I mean, Western Australia was. You may as well have cut that off. Well, exactly, yeah. and and to be honest, I wouldn't have thought that yeah. happened either. Um, mm. You know, I think there was a lot of try as we go when COVID happened as far as the yeah. state governments were concerned and, and the federal government. Okay, so you're at home and you're writing. You're in, so, so, yeah, you're in lockdown. So, well, exactly. So then, uh, yeah, then writing and then, uh, you know, showed it to an agent and, and kind of then uh, the agent showed it to a few publishers and then there's a, a Queensland independent called Interactive Publications and the guy who runs that, David Ryder, said, uh, look, um, you know, I think I think this has great potential. I think if if you wanted to to go with me, there are a few changes you need to make and I sort of thought, oh, that's outrageous. No, no, no. Yeah. I, 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 I thought it was great, you know, that, yeah. uh, that he was keen and uh and I, I was pretty aware of the basics of the way the system works and the pro, some of some of the pros and cons of a big publisher versus a small independent. Um, yeah. And so then started that process of rewriting where, and there were some pretty significant things in terms of the rewriting, like he suggested, 
I change it from first person to third person. I was like, oh, no, that's so much work. But I started doing it and then I thought, oh, this is really annoying because he was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and I say this better. to authors all the time, and you've had the experience, is when you are working with uh, editors and, and publishers, yeah. everybody is there to make that book better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, I, I, I mean, they're I, not going to go through that book and say, how can we make it not sell? That's not how it works. Well, in, in, yeah. indeed. I mean, I think I think one of the tricks is, I mean, it's like with music or with art or whatever, that is is kind of knowing when is it appropriate to just go, yes, you're right, I should just change that. Yeah. Or, you know, when is it appropriate to go, well, if I change that, I'm not sure this would work or you'd lose X or, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. But thankfully, I mean, David and and uh, the editor as well who was involved, basically I, I thought their suggestions were actually really good. So, um, yeah, so yeah, fantastic. Made, you know, made, but, made the book much better. Right. So, but you're not, are you working as a full-time writer yet or are you still? Um, sadly, no, no. no I, still, yeah. I still run Ward 6 and uh, yeah. Yeah, we've got a business here in Sydney and in Singapore. So, uh, yeah. So, unfortunately, I still need to rely on that to pay the bills. Right. There's a wonderful Australian writer, Candace Fox, who you might have heard of, and she she writes very well, great crime. We love her. She often pops into the office. But she really immerses herself in whatever she's writing about. So if her crime is set in a prison, Candace will have been to a prison. She will take yeah. herself. She yeah. will befriend a prisoner. You know, I'm sure she's done it. Yeah. Um, you know, she is really one of those people that does do her research. So for your books, are you inspired because you're living and breathing it? Is there anything extra that you need to find out or you just um, know it? Well, it's so, so there's pretty much always a, a mixture of things. So the uh, for me, to get the credibility, like it, it really helps where, I mean, this one, the signatory is set in an ad agency and that's yes. the one I know. So, so all that stuff is, is, you know, it's real. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's exactly what happens in an ad agency. And then from there, you're making little leaps and then bigger leaps into one's imagination. And the, the more those leaps are occurring, the more research I'll do. But, but it's also the case that, the the style, the territory that I'm in is the territory that I, I like. Like I like books and films and, and TV shows and things that are that are in that space. So I'm not 21 anymore. So you know, I've I've seen a lot of stuff, I've I've read stuff. And so there are things all the time in the writing, in in this story and anything else I do, where there'll be references that like in the signatory, there are the references to Casablanca, which, you know, it's it's a film yeah. I love. So, you know, you just by this stage of life, you've accumulated a lot of experience with that world of, of writing and fiction and movies and things. So there are things you can draw on. There's there's a, a very small snippet, which is a kind of nod to the Godfather in there as well, and just something that happens. You know, there's all that sort of thing, which the reader doesn't need to know. But for me, writing they kind of they're fun things to me to to bring in or interesting things to bring in well so. and they give the, the the book body and texture you know yeah 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 and if i were to ask you what would you prefer to do 
what would you say? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say anything about loving all the all the people who I work with and, and, and loving that. But you know, I've I've always loved the writing. I mean, it's uh, it's it's not just the writing of novels; it's it's storytelling. I mean, it's the same yeah, as when I wrote songs and and things like that. So. It's just it's being creative and expressing yourself. I think one of the things that's that's been nice, and I remember this in the music world as well. I think you know if you're lucky enough to have a, a job that can pay the bills, one of the things that's nice is to not feel compelled to write someone else's story or what someone else wants you to write. And so that's one of the lovely things. Like my feeling with this was this was the story that I really wanted to tell because it's it's something that's interesting to me about the way power works and power structures work. And so, you know, if I was if I was on the breadline and 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 you know didn't have any other source of income, that I don't know, I might have been more tempted to, to write what somebody else thought was the, the trendy thing of the time or, or whatever. But thankfully, I, I, I'm not, I don't feel compelled to do that. So, so I like, you know, I like and, telling this story. And they're a group that are not a lot of people write, to, write about too. So I think that that's what makes it unique. Oh, well, th- thank you. Yeah. I mean, well, again, I think it's, if it's, if it's based in sort of truth, you know, so that's who, you know, whoever the writer is, if it's based yeah. in a sort of real world of uh, that, you know, they can connect with and, and that's based on a genuine insight. Like anytime I've tried writing a manuscript or whatever, it's always from some idea that's rooted in reality. And, and, and also to get you through that writing, you know, it's, it's a pretty long process and then the rewriting and stuff. And, and so, if there's something that that you find compelling, you if you in your heart think this is a story that is worth telling and I want to tell, then that does help you get, get over the line. Absolutely. We're out of time, Stuart. Thank you so much. The book is called The Signatory. Thanks so much, Cheryl. Been really lovely talking to you. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of ebooks and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? 
the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.